<laughs> no, I can't tonight. Sorry, kiddo. Sorry. How you guys doing? How you doing, Andrew? Not too bad. How are you doing, Mike? I'm uh, actually up north right now enjoying a little bit of vacation time with my family. My, my daughter's having a bit of a meltdown literally as we speak. She wants me to put her to bed. Uh, but I'm sorry. Not tonight, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. Why don't you get, why don't you go ahead? You can go ahead and do that. I can mute you. I can get us started. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> She's good. She, she can handle it. She's a big girl. She's tough. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, we uh, always start off Friday Night Live with a little family drama. So that's yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I have like I'm, I'm uh, so I'm out up north right now on a ski vacation and I've got a we've got a two bedroom unit and I'm in a separate unit. Yeah. Um, so I was like, OK, I'm going to go do my live now and have my peace and quiet. And of course, the minute we go live, she comes wandering in. And, uh, <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, that's how it yeah. works with those hardcore podcast Facebook livers, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. So, um, well, thanks, Andrew, for coming on, even though you're on uh, ski vacation. That's how dedicated you are to the show. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's great. Um, well, it's, and it's been, it's been a hell of a ski vacation, too. Um, it's been pouring rain the last oh. two days. So oh, man. We had, yeah, we had a week up here, and we got literally about two and a half days of skiing in. So. Wow. That's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's what happens when you book your ski vacation three months in advance. You never know what you're going to get, right? Right. But we had yeah, a good time. Yeah, it is it is kind of close to the end of the ski season, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's cold enough normally uh, that they've got a good base layer, so it's not much of a problem. Uh, it's just it, like when it's raining, like it's been raining for the last few days. Like if it had just been warm, we'd be fine, but it's yeah. the... It's the downpours that just flood the hill. And we, we went out the other day and it was just literally puddles everywhere. It was not a lot of fun, but we made the most of it. And we, we just ended up hitting the pool and hanging out. We had a nice lazy day today, just hanging around the hotel. That's great. But That's great. we should get back. We, sh we should get back to why we're here. We're going to talk about partnerships, right? Yeah. So tonight is all about partnerships and uh, how, how can accounting firms or any kind of company, uh, create partnerships that actually help uh, build and drive and grow their business. So how can partnerships really drive the growth of the business? And so I, I thought it started kick us kind of kick us off tonight with um, talking about the idea of partnerships. You know, you've, you've probably uh, met with many a business owner or, you know, who says, Hey, Andrew Wall, let's, uh, why don't we partner together? Why don't we, why don't we partner together on something? Uh, why don't we do something together? And so I want to talk about first just defining what is a partnership, right? And I think I think the term is loosely used for a lot of different things, um, but I think there is an actual definition to partnership that um, I want to make sure that you know we're on the same page and our audience is on the same page of when we talk about a partnership. What do we really mean? Do we mean you know? Do, are we really talking about something else when we say partnership? Um, what do we really mean? And so um, the first, you know, the first point about partnership um, that I kind of want to want to talk about is a, a partnership, you know, by, by definition, when we look at business entities, um, a partnership generally means two or more parties that have a, some kind of equity or shareholder stake in, um, in, in the entity, right? And so, and then the entity is going to do something that's generally for profit, right? So that partnership could be a partnership formed to go buy a building or a partnership could be formed to start a business, uh, to start a new entrepreneurial venture. A uh, partnership could be formed between uh, lawyers, right? Uh, between yeah. accountants. So partnership generally uh, is two more people who agree to participate in some, um, with some incentive that allows them to be rewarded um, for the effort, time, money that they're going to participate in, and um, that all the parties in a partnership involved either win or lose based on success or failure of that partnership. So that's maybe kind of one way I'd like to define it. Uh, Andrew, maybe you have a simpler way to define it um, in regards to a partnership. Yeah, well, I guess you you know the traditional sense of limited liability partnership is a legal entity where two people come together, there's a shareholders agreement and um, the two of you own some share of equity in a, in, in a business together and you're trying to work 
to succeed together. But I think, um, you know, that's, that's the traditional legal uh, partnership um, standpoint. But I think more and more these days, people are talking about partnerships uh, or well, really what I would refer to as strategic alliances mm. as partnerships. Yeah. Like um, we, we came back from, from London a few weeks ago now and uh, we're touring the, the Receipt Bank office um, and uh, had a great time with them and got to see what was going on behind the scenes there, which was awesome. Um, but one of the things they do is they refer to um, their clients as partners. Mm. Uh, obviously, there's no, no legal partnership there, um, but there, it's a strategic alliance. You're working there together, um, and there's definitely synergies driving each other um, to success. So obviously, if, if I'm successful as an accountant and I'm bringing on more clients uh, and I'm supported by an app partner like Receipt Bank, uh, then I'm logically going to be putting more people onto that product um, and then supporting them. So there's that synergy or that strategic alliance that comes forward. Um, so that's that's another example. I think there's also, you know, the I think the classic example in our industry is the synergy of an accountant and the bookkeeper. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that can be a great, um, really um, strategic, a really great strategic alliance that helps both parties where the accountants, if they don't want to do the bookkeeping, can partner with a bookkeeper who doesn't want to do the accounting um, and they can feed off each other. The bookkeeper may have clients that they can refer on to the accountant. The accountant may have clients that they can refer on to the bookkeeper. And to the extent that they can make their make each other's lives easier, they're both better off. And of course, the rising tide raises all ships and they're both more profitable together, even though there's no formal partnership uh, and no revenue sharing from the ideas of a profit and loss statement, um, but just the fact that if they both do well and they both work together, um, that they can both synergize and, and create and reap rewards from that um, strategic alliance or that partnership. So I think that's yeah, so, one, of the, one of the classic ones. Yeah, so we have kind of this range then of, of um, it's almost like a relationship. You have, uh, I guess, the Tinder version of partnership all the way to the, <laughs> married, you know, lifelong commitment of partnership um, and even maybe the blood family related partnerships, right? So you have this whole range we can put into the business field of partnerships that have a legal document that you sign and is very hard to break. It's painfully hard to break, but can, it, you know, there's a possibility to break it. I would, I would say that that's similar to a marriage, right? The legal, the legal partnership, but then you have kind of the the other spectrums, like you said, of a strategic alliance type of partnership where uh, two parties enter it, they can break it fairly easily at any time, right? Because you, you, you as a firm uh, can, you gave an example of Receipt Bank, you, you as a firm could decide um, on some level much easier than, a, than a, a, a traditional partnership to not use Receipt Bank anymore, right? You could just decide that and start putting new clients onto um onto HubDoc or another tool, God forbid, but, uh, and, uh, and then you could also, but also with clients that are currently on, um, that receipt, you know, that tool, obviously there's a, there's a process of getting them off and moving them on. And so, yeah, so there's this whole range. And so Bob, thanks for joining us tonight. What are we talking about? We are talking <laughs> about partnerships tonight. Partnership. I thought we were talking about, we're talking about Tinder and marriage. Bob. Yeah, Tinder and marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. go really well together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So part the idea of partnerships. So like we're talking about um, how, what are the creative types of partnerships that accounting firms and small businesses or entrepreneurs can create to drive growth in their business. And we wanted to start off with you know, defining what, what does that mean? Because I think, you know, and Andrew, Andrew kind of gave us the spectrum of partnerships people talk about, but I think people people throw that term loosely around, right? They talk about, oh, let's, you know, hey, I meet you. We have a great conversation at a bar or at a conference. Hey, let's partner together. Let's have a party together. Nothing ever really happens, right? Nothing, uh, nothing of benefit really happens. And I would argue that a true partnership it, at, at in, on any of the spectrum, there's got to be some, some agreement that occurs that says, this is how you benefit. This is how I benefit. A true partnership. I don't think so. Both sides benefiting. I, I, whether the agreement's verbal or paper or something, but both sides have to benefit. Otherwise, in my, in my opinion, it's not really a partnership. Like I would not 
I would not consider me selling a product to a customer, a partnership. I would not define it in the, in the term partnership. I would say that was a transaction that occurred. A customer had wanted to buy something from me as the vendor and it, it's provided value to them, but that's not a partnership in my mind. And that's not what I'm talking about tonight at least is what yeah, I and Yeah. So I, I should, I should say, but I disagree. I, I, I say, I don't think it necessarily has to be this formalized um, concept where we sit down and go, this is what's in it for me. And this is what's in it for you. Uh, especially when we're talking about the spectrum of different partnerships, I would almost argue that that Friday Night Live is a partnership between me, you, and Hector. There, there's no like we haven't sat down and said this is what's in it for me and this is what's in it for you, uh, but we've decided to partner together to work towards a common goal of putting together some content for the community. Um, so you know that's a partnership. It's not really a strategic alliance. It's not a formal partnership, but we're working together and we're collaborating. It's maybe a collaboration is a better term. We, we so are, we are married, Andrew. This is, this we is are. lifelong. This is lifelong marriage, baby. <laughs> I, I, I thought we were still dating. <laughs> we get, we have a DTR. Uh, we'll have a DTR to, after this show tonight. <laughs> what's, what's a DTR? Define oh, the relationship. We get to define, oh, define the relationship. The, the, the relationship. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Let's, let's DTR this. Yeah, let's DTR this. What, what, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. So, so Bob, what, what are your thoughts about partnerships? Just, just starting off when, on the idea of like, what is a partnership? And um, is there really a whole range and you call, call anything and everything partnerships? Or um, is there really a definition of, of something? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm not... Uh, an expert on it in any way, but I do agree that there has to be a, it's got to be a win-win mm-hmm. uh, for any relationship to happen, especially a partnership. And there's got to be a mutual sacrifice as well. You know, you can't have one person putting out all the work uh, and you know, only one party benefits. I think you guys have it down. <laughs> That's great. Well, so, so let's, let's jump into then what are the creative types? What are the types of partnerships that, yourself, your firm, the businesses you've been involved with have done. And, and what are ones that, what are creative ones that are, that would be unique? Maybe you haven't tried them out, but you've heard about them or you think, man, I have to try this out. Um, you know, this whole, this whole show is about ideas. This whole show is about throwing things, ideas, giving insights to people. And so um, I'll give you, I'll give you guys one that I'm, I'm testing right now. And, you know, I, I love giving out free information and I'm testing, um, and so I'm testing this concept, um, you know, so we, we at Reconciled, we had opened uh, an office in, in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And, uh, and, you know, Bob, you've done this before, opening an office, you got to find a person, you're taking a risk on somebody with an, that has an accounting background, can they really sell? Do they have the same urgency ownership drive that you have as a firm owner to build the brand that you're trying to build as a firm? it's a very expensive endeavor, right? It's a very risky endeavor. And so my, 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 uh, so we did that in Charlotte and that's going well, but I, I didn't know if it was a repeatable idea. I really didn't know if it's something that I wanted to try again um, at our size uh, without trying other alternatives. So um, I reached out to two firm owners um, and both with their own bookkeeping firms um, um, who, who have good firms and, and have, and are in different cities and are there in cities that reconciled hasn't reached really reached uh, penetration on. And I reached out to them and um, offered an opportunity of real partnership. Right. And this partnership idea for me was how can I help the, their firm grow in revenue without their firm doing the work? That was my idea. So how can I help them benefit by grow, growth and revenue without them having to grow their operations and do the work that Reconciled has already done. And that's the kind of partnership that I've formed. So I've reached out to two firm owners, two different cities, and we establish a relationship. We, we, we actually put it into a legal document. And they're basically the first two firms that are going to become part of this Reconciled bookkeeping network. I'm, I'm just making up the name right now on the fly. Um, that are going to represent Reconciled in their respective cities. They're going to still own their firms. They're going to still do the work they do, but they don't have the pressure of growing their operations anymore. Um, They are going to represent Reconciled in their cities. They're going to help Reconciled grow in revenue as well as they're going to get a piece of that revenue share. Yeah. And, and, and then we're going to, um, and we're going to do the the actual work 
in regards to um, into the hard work of, of, of that doing that work. What do you guys, so that's an idea. Uh, so what do you guys think about a partnership like that? And then what other partnership ideas do you guys have? Um, I think it's, it's a great idea. Uh, I'll actually share with you uh, a similar idea that we did years ago that unfortunately ultimately failed. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's um, in different ways than, than we did. Um, so going back about 20 years, um, my father launched a network of accounting firms uh, across Canada. We were in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. And the model was more like a franchise. I think the way that your model is is, is probably a little bit better um, because if you're going out there as reconciled, um, and the engagement letters are being signed with Reconciled. I guess it's a little bit different with, with bookkeeping. You don't have the same um, engagement letter issue that we have. But what was happening with us is um, they were getting the benefits of the branding of CA4IT and the, um, the um, branding and the marketing that we were doing. And we were driving a lot of leads to them um, in exchange for effectively a royalty on each of those leads. And we built up, several firms from small people who were starting out trying to build their own practices who were hungry and looking to grow. Um, and we helped build up a number of these firms to fairly decent, you know, uh, million plus uh, level firms. Um, and then years later, now there's, there's a whole bunch of intricacies on why this ultimately fell, fell apart. Uh, some of it was definitely our part and the fact that we were running it more like a dictatorship that rather than a partnership. Um, but what happened was years into this, these guys who had now built up their firms when they were young and hungry and we were driving leads to them, they were like, this is great. They were loving it, happy to pay their royalties. Once they built up their size of their firm to a, to a point where they were happy, they just turned around and they said, you know what? Um, we don't want to pay our royalties anymore. Um, so we're going to walk away from this deal. And even though we had papered the deal, we had contracts in place with every one of them. We went back to the lawyer who we, who had, who had written the contract for us. He said, um, I hate to tell you this, but your contract's unenforceable because even though you have a contract uh, for these people to pay you a royalty, the reality is that each one of these clients have signed an engagement letter with the accountant in the local uh, area. Um, and as far as the Institute, as far as the law is concerned, that's their client, not yours. So you have, you don't wow. have a legal leg to, leg to stand on. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. So uh, that wow. was, that was. Um, it was it was it was successful for a number of years and and literally you know um you know between quarter of a million dollars to half a million dollars walked out the door um and and the worst part was it was sort of the coup was somewhat orchestrated by a guy in our office who left and left unceremoniously oh, wow. um yeah and basically it was it was a worst case scenario um so i think it's i think the concept is a great idea um, I think uh, how you execute it, because this is one of the things that we've been coming back to is we're, we're sitting here going, okay, we want to rebuild our national brand. Um, and what we've been doing for the last couple of years is we've been basically service, servicing Canada nationally from one location. Um, and, and that has not worked as well. The, the good news is we're, because we're getting a bigger piece of the pie, we don't need as big a pie to make as much money. So we're able to, to, to get the revenues back up. Um, but it's, you know, more work and, and the growth. We don't have nearly the number of clients that we had when we were the national firm. So we're definitely ourselves trying to figure out how we're going to rebuild this, this network that what's, we once had. And we, we've got this, we've got this marketing engine, we've got these relationships. Um, but we've also like, you know, it's sort of that once burnt twice shy sort of, mm-hmm. um, approach. And, and I've been really hesitant. My dad's been really pushing us to to rebuild that that national brand and i'm like i you know what i'm not ready to do that yet let's you know when i feel like we've got toronto humming on all cylinders um you know and and we've got so many other irons in the fire at one given time then we can address that because we know that the model that we had did not work and maybe Mm -hmm. we we, we've got to we've got to have a conversation after this off the record um and and maybe you've got some insights on how you papered your deal to sort of protect you and shelter from that, from that risk and that, that, that approach. Um, and I also wonder, and again, not knowing the bookkeeping world as much, are there any issues? Like could, could these other firms then walk out the door one day with those clients 
that you've helped to build and grow and say, okay, those are my clients. Sorry, reconciled. I'm not, I'm not having you do the work. I'm not paying. I don't know exactly what the structure is, Mm -hmm. but is there any risk that they could do what our associates did to us, which is basically walk away from the deal with the clients in hand? That's great. That's great. Thanks for sharing that lesson, Andrew, um, and that background. Yeah, no, that's really great feedback um, and stuff I definitely will, definitely will learn from. Bob, what, what are you, your thoughts about partnerships? Yeah, I think and principally, these two situations are a bit different. So I think the word synergy was mentioned before, and the best partnerships, I would say, have a synergistic uh, lens to it. So I think in the bookkeeping world, you know, recently I came across an article that somehow T-Sheets integrates with WagePoint or, you know, they play well together. And I think that is a really awesome partnership to go to market because T-Sheets offers one thing, you know, payroll, WagePoint offers another, but together they can offer something that has not yet been in the market, which is an integrated from beginning to end. That is, you know, amazing, right? So uh, one, you know, App A cannot do what App B does and vice versa. Whereas, so in your case, uh, Michael, you know, you are bringing a, a skill set, a know-how, an offering that only your team can execute. I mean, you know, if the accounting firm were to end your relationship, this, you know, they can take the client. Yeah, I think we lost Bob there for a second. Andrew, did you lose Bob? Yeah, I lost Bob. I wasn't sure if it was me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm running off 3G and I'm the one still, I'm still That's here, okay. Bob. I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, Bob. We, 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 you dropped off at um, at the end of uh, saying teach you to wage point and then uh, you were about to say something. And then radio silence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start from the top. Yeah. No, um, yeah, my point is basically, you know, app A cannot do what app B does and there's a synergistic component, right? One uh, by going to, into the market together, you are stronger as a whole than, than separately. So I think principally, you know, Michael's arrangement looks a bit more like that, where you're bringing a unique skill set to the market uh, in a way that the accounting firms cannot provide. Right? If the accounting firm were to end this relationship, they'd have to figure everything out from the bottom, you know, from step one, how to how you execute uh, everything, right? Because you have the know-how, you have the system, you have the team. Whereas Andrew, in your case, you know, your uh, franchise, your partner, so to speak, they are doing the delivery, they are doing the sales, they are doing everything. You're not necessarily providing anything that they don't already know. Uh, so maybe that protection wasn't there as much, right? Accountants, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they want to do bookkeeping, they have to start from zero. And we all know that. We've all been there. Right. Uh, and I think it's harder to copy. Uh, so maybe, you know, your risk is a bit lower, not saying there, but you know, it's lower, right? So mm-hmm. I think those partnerships are the best. And I think as I look into the market and look for uh, ways to work together, it's really uh, doing two people that can do separate things, but together become stronger together. Uh, I think those are the best synergistic partnerships. No, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, really great. And, and so what are the, I, I think, Bob, you, you hit a point there. You, you have to be able to provide something just like you did the example of t-sheets and wage point neither party provides the offering that the other party offers right and yeah. so that's the same thing in a traditional partnership i guess in it, when you when you think of outside of services you think outside of law firms or accounting firms where generally the generally in a partnership like where two accountants go into partnership or a law firm generally they both know how to do the actual delivery but outside of that when you think about other partnerships generally the two partners going into business they have, they have different skill sets, right? One might be the front face salesperson, CEO kind of person. The other might be the back office, the planner, the organizer. Um, you know, I know there's, there's the term of the integrator um, versus the other term. Visionary. <laughs> yeah, visionary. Yeah, yeah, visionary. Yeah, visionary versus integrator. Yeah, so, um, so that's, you know, in the partnership. So what are, what are some creative partnerships that uh, maybe accounting firms or companies aren't really um aren't traditionally trying out but um that we could come up with on on you know during our time here that we could be sharing for free with with our audience what are some creative ones that are really unique out there that um maybe either seen or you've tried yourself and maybe has has worked 
that uh, that could go out there. And so like, you know, I'll throw out one idea is one idea into our creative partnership is to find a service offering or a product that serves your same customer base, but has nothing to do with your service. So for example, you could, um, you know, let's say you're, you know, an easy one in my mind would be you're, you do bookkeeping work and you serve, you know, you serve your customers and you're like, you know what, I am going to find um, a life insurance provider for my clients. And I'm going to go to market with this life insurance provider to serve these small business clients because they've got these businesses now. Most people don't have life insurance, even though it's so cheap. The majority of people still don't have it. Most people don't have key man life insurance for their business. Why don't I go find a life insurance seller or reseller and, and bring them into the conversation so that I can provide more value to my customers and he can provide more value to his customers. But what were you thinking? So, so Michael, on a creative scale, I would rate that uh, three out of 10. Yes, yes, that's not very creative. I'm just saying like, oh, it's, it's easy. Great. Let's start there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a saying, there's a saying that like, there's nothing new under the sun. Yes. And everything innovative out there is just like a combination of unrelated things that just are matched together to create an amazing experience, right? Yeah. So I was just thinking, okay, what if we threw like accounting with like music videos? <laughs> <laughs> totally unrelated yeah. i'm like hey what if you could make quickbooks training a music video with like sports cars i don't know <laughs> just talking <laughs> that's like that's i'm like, gonna i'm gonna make that happen bob i'm gonna <laughs> do that? one just for i'm gonna make that happen i'm gonna do a qbo there music you video go, just for you bob yeah if, <laughs> if, if, i don't know if that's a partnership yeah. right yeah if <laughs> That's more, I, I, you know, I could see, you know, I guess you'd have to go and partner with a music video creator um, instead of like, I, I'm less thinking about like, oh, the creative ways you can offer your product that was, you know, that or your service. But yeah, if you, if you were to, you know, match it. And I guess we saw that with Expensify. They tried, they did that with the Super Bowl oh, yeah. ad, right? They, they, they kind of did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing's new under the sun. So maybe you were, maybe you were thinking and going, oh, that was like Freudian thinking yeah. in the back of your head. But yeah, that's. I was going to say, hey, why don't we try like accounting and football? Like, oh, wait, that, that already happened, you know? <laughs> or Super Bowl, you know, something, I'm sure something like that happened. <laughs> Yeah, Jake, Jacob on, on Facebook says sales videos equals music video. So that's really, really, that's really interesting. Um, the, you know, yeah, yeah. So what are, you know, what are, you know, the creative, the creative, what are the, are the creative partnerships um, that you can put? And, and again, trying to put aside um, creative ways you can offer your service, because we talked about that, and, um, but more of like, what are things that there's, you know, you, you can't really go higher. You wouldn't be able to go really higher that you've got to create a partnership and what's the unique ways you can offer that. So that would be interesting. Andrew, yeah. you have any thoughts about the creative partnership ideas? Well, I guess, again, like Bob says, they're not maybe all that creative, but I can sort of run through the things that we've done in the past and the ones that have worked um, and that haven't worked because we, we've done a number of strategic alliances uh, over the year. I think one, one of the most creative ones that we did um, was we actually partnered and, and actually formed a whole legal partnership at the time and created a company called Balanced Brain Initiatives, which was this whole um, initiative on training. The whole purpose was to provide soft skills trainings for IT consultants completely outside the box. Again, ultimately, it was an interesting idea. It was creative. It was outside the box, but it, it didn't work out. Like uh. seven out of 10 ideas, fail right and that was one of the ones that didn't work out um some of the classic ones that that have stood the test of time are the ones that you talked about relationships with lawyers relationships with financial planners relationships with insurance providers um we've always done that because you know one of the my bad things that he always taught us is that as an accountant our job is to play the quarterback which means we need to bring in all the team players and be able to toss the ball to the appropriate player at the appropriate time on behalf of our coach, the client, right? So we're, we're there to, to work um, on behalf of, of our client. And, and we're not a one-man show. We've got to bring in different people. And that means financial advisors. That means uh, lawyers. That means um, 
you know, bookkeepers if necessary, if, you, if you're not doing that. That means knowing all the different things that your client is going to need. That might even be SEO and, and sales and digital marketing, which is such an important part uh, of this day and age for pretty much every business. You got to do some sort of digital advertising and marketing. So maybe a strategic alliance with someone who does SEO and digital marketing um, as someone that you can refer on to your clients who then they in turn, because our my experience with every strategic reliance that we've ever had is usually we bring people on as a value add to our clients. So these are people that we're bringing on because we want to refer people to them. We want to we want to be able to vet and find people who are good in that area. We know okay, if we refer our clients to these people, you're going to do a good job for our clients. Um, and usually, you know, we're not asking for something in return, but ultimately in most of those scenarios, you will get some sort of reciprocation back. Uh, sometimes they may not be great leads. Sometimes they might be few and far between. But anytime that you partner with someone and you're referring business onto them, one, you're adding value to your customers, which is critical. Um, and two, the people that you're referring the business onto are going to want to reciprocate whenever they get the opportunity. And, and certain people have more opportunities than others. Um, financial planners have, have seemed to be a really good fit for us. Uh, there's a good quid pro quo. Insurance, uh, interestingly enough, um, is, seems to be a bit more one-sided. We tend to be sending more mm -hmm. people to them than they're sending to us. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, lawyers have been, you know, sort of fairly uh, well-balanced relationship. And I think one of the other things that we, we've gotten to the point where we do our own incorporations. Um, but one of the things that I personally love is getting a client who has no baggage. So they, they're not coming from another accountant, they, which ultimately means either the client is crap or the accountant was crap, right? Because if they've, if they've left that accountant, either they were doing a horrible job or the accountant was doing a horrible job and you've now got baggage <coughs> to deal with. So I love getting clients who are just starting out. Mm. Um, so we now do incorporations and we do them at cost um, as a loss leader to, to get that, those opportunities. But if you're not doing that, you can partner with companies that provide those services because there's there's tons of companies out there that do incorporations and maybe you can partner with them where you'll refer business to them and they'll refer business to you um, and finding local people in your area who do that, that level of service. Um, partnering with banks has been hit and miss for us. Um, I think it's always really important um, to partner with banks, but you have to be my experience has been you've got to be in there talking to the, the local people at your branch who do turn over every once in a while um, and building a relationship with them. Like, even if you have, if you can actually get that, that blessing from the top down, which is so hard to get, it ultimately doesn't matter. It's about the relationship that you're going to have with the person at your local branch. Um, and those can be really good because when someone comes in to set up a business, like, well, have you found an accountant? And most people who are opening up a corporate bank account for the very first time actually haven't found an accountant yet. Right. Um, so those, those can be really great uh, alliances. And they're also really hyper local. And even though accounting firms can service people all across the country now, bookkeeping firms can service people all across the country. Yeah. There still seems to be this desire that people want to find a bookkeeper in their community, even though like if you're going to be doing the bookkeeping for them, you'll probably never go to their office. Right. 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 But they want to find someone from Vermont and they want to find right. someone from these, these. And that's why you're going to these local areas, right? Is because people have, they're looking for someone in their area, even though they will never ever come to their, to, to their office. Um, but so finding banks in, in certain areas and hot areas um, is a great way to go and build those, those uh, friendships and those relationships. Mm. Um, and then get those referrals. So those are the, the, the ones that we've done in the past. And then again, something hyper-specific to our industry, um, because we're, we're niche-oriented in these IT consulting things, we've partnered with, um, with staffing agencies. So staffing agencies drive a lot of referrals over to us, um, and we do a lot of value add back to them. So we'll do a lot of work. We'll do anything and everything to help a staffing agency, and we never, ever charge the staffing agencies a penny anything we ever do for a staffing agency is always free because of the quid pro quo that that will create right that the the desire for them to want to give back and reciprocate mm -hmm. um so that that's i think the key from my standpoint even though we talked earlier about this having to be a balanced relationship 
I think ultimately it has to be a balanced relationship for it to have long-term success, but any partnership needs to start with you giving more than you're receiving. Bob, what do you think? A few other examples out there. So, Andrew, I, I thought about HR consulting as, as an option as well, just for that, right? Uh, I, the other thing that I thought about is um, there's a service uh, or there's a there's a professional called like cost reducers or whatever, business process optimizers, where, you know, they have huge networks of suppliers. And if you have a client uh, that's over a certain size, these people can actually come in and do a free uh, cost audit or you know free sales tax audit, and they just take a percentage of savings. Hmm. So that's you know they save you 100 grand, they take 50 percent for the first year, and then you get all the gains, you know, in the future. So that could be a win because then your clients are more profitable, and uh, you know you have more work in the future, right? Other things to think about is like a strategic uh, consultant, small business uh, strategy consulting where you know you are bringing in a partner that's actually going to grow their business again it results in win-win right you you cannot offer everything separately but together you're offering this you know you help to grow the business but also institute processes and accounting to help to manage all that as well i think there's a there needs to be a balance between creating these partnerships also balancing that with clarity of your offering i feel mm. like let's say on your website so there's there's a difference between referral relationships correct and kind of being, you know one-off referrals and like a formal partnership where you actually create a formalized product slash offering that's going to be on your website you're going to market it that you know both parties are going to market and and like, like it's a formal product right and all, all of a sudden if you're telling clients hey uh, we offer a strategy something Hey, we offer cost reduction. Hey, we offer HR services. Hey, we are like the clients are just gonna get so confused. Right. Like, uh, so yeah, I, I think there needs to be a strong, a big balance there, and pick and choose what are some of the alliances that you want to commit to. Mm. Stick that for a while. You know, build your niche, so to speak, and then work on the next one. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, you make a good point, Bob. There is, I, I would consider there is a big difference between creating a strong referral network. I would not consider a referral network your partners. You can use the term, they're my partners. They're not your partners in, 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 in what I'm talking about. They are a referral network. And you can walk away from a referral network. It's easy. You just don't do the referrals. And, and most referral networks for most people don't work. They actually don't have any incentives in the referral network. The most referral networks start off with, hey, you refer work to me, I refer work to you, and let's see how it goes. And then you, some, and somebody invariably ends up being the one who refers them more, more work. So in that sense, without an incentive structure in there, it's a referral network, and you can walk away from that. Now, one of the, one of the things I thought about that, would, that I was thinking, okay, what would be super creative? What would be very interesting? And especially during the, the, this season where um, there's, there's taxes and what could accounting firms do? So I was thinking, okay, well, if your niche, if your focus was women entrepreneurs, okay, what if you set up shop inside a manicure pedicure salon? And while they're getting their manicure pedicure, you took care of their tax return. You took care of their accounting needs at there. So you said, hey, I set up shop at these chains of salons. Go to any of the salons. There's a tax repairer there. Bring all your items. And while you're getting your manicure pedicure, we'll take care of your return. That was a, a kind of, and so you wouldn't have to go, you don't have to go find, you know, create your own manicure pedicure place. You just go find the chain or you find the network of manicure pedicure places in local towns. And you literally just set up a tax repairer in there. And what are the women doing? They're waiting in the lobby for their manicure pedicure. They're sitting down um, if they're getting a pedicure or they're sitting down and getting a manicure and you're dealing with their documents um, right there on the fly. And by the time they're done um, with their manicure, which is usually 30 minutes to an hour, you as a taxpayer probably could get their return done um, with all the documentation and do a follow-up with them if they're missing anything. So that was kind of, I'm trying to up their creative scale, Bob, from three out of 10 to something more like seven or eight out of 10. So maybe that's, 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 an eight. that's an eight out of 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like, love it. Yeah, the, the creativity is improving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are other what other um, partnerships that would be really creative that actually um, could work, or maybe um, uh, 
could work or something that you know accounts could think about that maybe are more on the creative Day side loans and baseball fields <laughs> payday pay, pay loans and baseball fields <laughs> want to go to a game get a payday loan <laughs> It's, are, are you saying that the people who go to baseball games generally need a payday loan? Otherwise, you'd go to a hockey game. So basically, if you're Canadian, you don't need a payday loan. If you're American, you clearly need a payday loan. <laughs> oh, that's that. That's what we're, we're, we're going to digression. Yeah. Um, so that that's an interesting that's funny payday loans in in base baseball. So that you know that brings that's up brings up another topic we could we could talk about some other time is that I feel like and maybe we could talk about it now but um, probably have to save it for another conversation is I feel like the new the new unregulated um, seems like used to be red ocean now it's a blue ocean um, but is still nascent and growing very fast is the um, industry of online quick money, bit small business loans. Uh, it is, it seems to be something that is so easy to get uh, that customers are able to grab. And when I talk about, when I, now, now the way I'll segue into this with partnerships, right? We saw the partnership that Intuit had done with OnDeck. Um, and, uh, and I believe now they, they actually have Intuit capital, which either they provide their own funds or they match you inside of their platform with other partners. Uh, but I have, I have seen, uh, majority of people that I've interacted with who've taken these quick money, non-regulated, super, um, super high interest rate loans that are, are presented as very small. I've seen these destroy companies and destroy entrepreneurs. Um, and so I've always felt like that is a partnership that accounting firms need to stay away from. Like they need to just no. run. No. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. I think that's the partnership you need to lean into. Because yeah. In, in, a, in a high integrity way. In a high integrity way. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Right? Because who yes. else can offer responsible business loans? Than accountants. Correct. Correct. You know, yes, yes. Like you got these loan sharks offering without any desire for the benefit of the client. Oh. Uh, and you have these accountants that, you know, we not only know their financials, we know their ability to pay back. And then we can responsibly give them the advice, the right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, what, so what is, what does a creative partnership look like there? Because all of these online lenders offer partnerships with, with accountants. But, you know, when, I, when I've looked at the majority of them, they're terrible. I mean, they, they should not be – most small business owners do not have the net profit margin to pay these loans back, these types of loans back, unless they are in a high, high-growth company where they, they know for sure. But I'm sorry, your restaurant is not going to grow that fast. Well, you're, you know, you're not going to get the James Beard Award in the first year and grow your, your restaurant to $2 million to afford this, this loan. So what, what does that look like? That these accountants, that these business owners need before they get the money, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like, look, let's actually put together a financial plan <laughs> and account for that interest payment yes. before we go to these guys, right? Or before we go to my partner, right? Because right. uh, they're going in with eyes wide open as opposed to, you know, this renovation is going to save me money because it's going to bring 20% more customers per day. <laughs> compounded annually for the rest of my life um you know that's how people are going into this with this false hope but we yeah. need to bring reality right that's a great idea actually yeah no that's really really great andrew what are you thinking yeah well i think that there's definitely an issue with and, and it's not just these uh quick money uh loans it's also credit card debt right mm. I, I see that over and over again you know credit card debt alone um, can be devastating to to small business owners because many of my clients, when they run into to financial troubles, the first thing that they're going to do is run to personal credit cards, run those up, um, and then secondarily to these quick money loans, um, both of which can be can be devastating because they don't really understand the implications. Uh, and it's it's amazing to me how many smart business people you will meet mm -hmm. who just don't do the basic math of what it's going to cost them 
to take on this this debt in this way that they're doing. Um, And 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 they do need help understanding that. The question is, how do we get in front of them? And I I guess as bookkeepers, uh, bookkeepers have a much better opportunity because they're, they're, they're dealing with them more regularly than traditional accountants to be in their face and maybe spotting those opportunities. So I think now that we have the tools in place to be able to identify when clients and customers are going to be running into um, financing problems and addressing to them, okay, look, you're, you know, you're, you're running into some cash flow issues. I can see, I can see the writing on the wall. I can project out 12 months. Mm-hmm. I know you're not going to have enough money. Um, you know, you need to start considering what your options are going to be. Let me lay down the law of the different tools that, that are out there and the things that you can do. You know, you can go out and get home equity lines of credit against your your primary residence, and that's going to probably be the cheapest money that you can get. You can go take these loans that you can get that are going to be extremely high interest, but they're they're going to be tied to your business as opposed to your personal debt. Uh, you can go out and use credit cards. You know, what are the different options? What do they what do they mean? Because oftentimes, too, is is what I find is um, customers don't understand the difference between personal debt and business debt. Mm-hmm. And why that why that that is a really critical difference because if they're in a business, a high, particularly a high risk um, business, and that has the potential to collapse or fold, you want to be sheltering your individual assets from that risk, right? And and I think that that asset protection uh, component is 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 a critical role that accountants and bookkeepers and financial professionals can play and i think now we've got the tools and the technology to play that role instead of retroactively proactively um, and so i think strategic partnerships with people who can let who can provide that financing and lending and identifying when and where that makes the the, the right when it makes sense to do so like like bob says in an ethical way you know identifying those companies that could benefit from this like look if you're investing in a renovation that is going to take your seating from 20 to 40 and that really does have the ability to double your revenue then that makes sense to do but if you're doing that just because you're running into cash flow business because you're not selling enough product every single month and you're and and taking on this debt to buy more inventory just to sell it at a continued loss makes absolutely no sense right right, right. You know, uh, so I think that, that that's, I think, a critical role that an accountant or financial professional can make. Um, so it's, a, it's I think, an interesting partnership if done well. Um, I, I do get concerned when, you know, if, if we're talking about a, a partnership in that there is a financial relationship between the bookkeeper or the financial professional getting a kickback or receiving a benefit from making that referral, I, I, I get concerned about that mm-hmm. because there's going to be an incentive to people, maybe even inadvertently, to make poor recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tend to, uh, I tend to get leery. I think that um, having relationships with financial providers where there's no financial incentive to do that, and and the only incentive is to add value back to your customers, who will then in turn appreciate you and refer you and grow your business that way is the type of partnership that I think should be happening there. Not anyone where you're getting a financial kickback for recommending someone take on debt. I mean, that scares the pants off me, to be honest. Right, right. No, I mean, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense there. there and, I, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it seems like there would be some independence rules around that for a firm that does audit or insurance work um, to be, or, or an auditor to be, um, getting kickbacks and providing that advice, um, and it would probably be it probably something that is is connected to the uh, ethics rules for us. I would I would yeah think there would, probably would be right right. Know. <laughs> um, I know even until recently you couldn't even work with financial professionals mm. and and receive um, incentives in any way shape or form, but yet people were doing it and finding interesting ways of doing it even when you could now in Canada, the rules changed, uh, I think two Julys ago, but now you can do it. You have to disclose it, but you can do it. No, interesting. Um, but I can, I can tell you that even before you could do it, people were doing it. They were just doing it in creative, creative ways. ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did your firm have a, a financial services arm or financial services component to it? Uh, 
so no, um, okay. we do. We, we don't have a financial services arm. Um, we do have financial advisors that, that we work with. We also do a financial newsletter, um, mm. which is, which is very different. Um, so uh, the regulations here allow us to do a financial newsletter as long as we're not providing specific financial advice and then charge for that newsletter. So we do have a, a newsletter that uh, one of the accountants that um, used to work with us, who's sort of quasi retired now and all he does is spend his time working on his portfolio, uh, writes the, this newsletter for us and the mm -hmm. clients can buy that newsletter, but it's just that a newsletter. Okay. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's, 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 that's great. Um, the, um, you know, the, the idea of partnerships, again, I just keep coming back to this idea of partnerships and we talked about all varieties of kinds. Um, we talked about strategic alliances, referral networks. Um, what do you think about the partnership arrangements that a lot of these apps have, are trying to build inside the QBO app store with accounting firms, right? And they, they obviously apps are seeing accountants in the QuickBooks Pro Advisor network as a, um, as a, almost a, like a gatekeeping sales channel, right? A sales channel that they have to participate in. It's been, it's been obviously a, a game changer for QuickBooks. That's how they built right their dominance in the in North America uh, by by partnering with accountants and accounting firms uh, and bookkeepers to drive sales and to drive trust um, to small businesses in in, in the country. Um, what do you think about the the different the partnerships that apps have been trying to build and have they been effective? Are they effective? And and what seems to be working for or in in those ways? Um, so I'll, I'll tell you again, so it's a fairly new one um, for us. Like, even though we've worked with them for a long time, I wouldn't really consider it a, a up until recently, it wasn't an effective partnership. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've been using Receipt Bank. I think Adam Zwig, Josh Zwig's brother, back in the day was a rep for them and got me onto the product uh, very early on. But we had a small number of people that were using it. Um, and for a number of years, because of the pricing model that they had, which was basically we were paying for every every transaction that we had. When they released this new pricing model, which is an unlimited a limited number of transactions, this flipped the switch for me and created a true partnership. So now I have an incentive to put as many people onto that product as I possibly can, because it doesn't cost me a penny more. Mm -hmm. So the more clients that I have on there, I'm averaging down my cost per, per client. Mm -hmm. um, and so now it's, it's become something that we've done. It's become a big push for us. We just put together a whole drip marketing campaign, whole initiative on our website where you can go and you can, you know, sign up for your free receipt bank app, um, get onboarded, you know, a whole program. And, and we have a whole program now. We even use it as a marketing channel um, where we offer this tool that you would have to. And I love that the pricing that, that is available to us is not available to small business owners. Mm. That is key. Like one of the big things that um, still drives me bananas with Intuit as much as I love them is when they, when they go out and they offer these 70% off specials <laughs> at Christmas. And even though they tell us and we know that it's only for a year and, you know, we getting a better deal in the long run, the customers don't get that. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, and, and the, and the customers, perceive and especially now that they've got this new structure i'm assuming it's the same in the u.s that if the customer signs up with them first and they can't be switched over to your wholesale pricing afterwards uh, so the the what i used to tell people was like okay if they offer you a 70 percent off deal go take that 70 percent off and when it runs out come to me and then it didn't feel like they were undercutting me now they are whereas with with receipt bank they're not you know there's the the customer's cannot win by going direct they cannot get a better price by going direct right um and and so the same with and even though with intuit that is true they're not marketing it that way right it, they, they market it as 70 percent off and the perceived it's perceived cheaper than buying it through my 50 percent off even though i'm flowing through my discount directly to them um so that's i think a key is is, is that there's this perceived value by going with you rather than going direct. That's the key to a strong app partner relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and then that drives an incentive for me. And also like I, I would say that having this unlimited 
number of units. Um, like, so I pay a flat price, no matter how many people on it drives me to want to put more people on, on the product, right. which I'm assuming that the reason they're doing that is there, there's, there's gotta be a win for them on the back end that the more, more documents that they process, the better their AI, the better their systems. The, it's a win for them too. I'm assuming, um, ultimately I, I don't know why, uh, but that, that new structure that is with Recipe has been a huge win for me. We're putting a big whole, we're doing a whole big marketing initiative behind it. Um, put together, like I said, a whole drip marketing thing. You're going to see a lot from, from our firm over the next year, pushing receipt bank strong because of the way that they've structured this in a way that it is win-win. And then it creates a desire for me to use this mm. as a, as a marketing tool. And, and what, what, what made you decide to go, you know, we also use receipt bank. We've been with receipt bank for a few years. Um, what makes you you made you decide to go with receiving versus other tools out there that do a similar thing? Uh, the the number one thing was the pricing model. So we've been big HubDoc users for years, and I love the JVs, um, and I love the product. Uh, I love the fetch. Uh, the fact that Receipt Bank now has, or or at least is building the fetch tool, still not as good as HubDoc. Sorry, mm-hmm. Receipt Bank. Um, but they're building that out and it's been in beta for a little while and, and they're now releasing that. So they're not going to have this fetch uh, capability, which is a, a big plus. But the number one win for me was the fact that it was the unlimited pricing component. Mm. Because I, I, I like basically I knew what my costs were going to be. And the more people that I get onto this, the more value, because to me, it's always about how am I adding value to my customers? Right, right. right. I mean, you literally could with that, with that pricing model, you, you literally could go and offer um, all of your customers a, a access to receipt bank. Right. And that's exactly, that is exactly yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so that was like, I was like, wow, that's, that's a huge value to me is that I, now I can just roll this out to every one of my clients. And I'm assuming that that's a big value to receive bank too. Right, right. Or, or else they wouldn't be structuring it this way. Right. So that's created a big win-win. <clears throat> Whereas if I were to do that with with uh, HubDoc, based on their pricing thing, um, you know, it would it would cost me an arm and a leg. It would right. be, it would be, because I'd, I'd be rolling it out to people that, I, I who wouldn't be willing to pay the $20 a month or whatever it is, for that product and ultimately I'd be eating that. So it wouldn't be win-win. It would be me eating that to put them onto their product. Whereas now it's like, I I have my cost per month. I've built that into to my pricing. It's, it's you know, factored into what we're doing. We can afford it. And the more clients that I can give it to, it's just me being able to add value, especially for me who deals with very small clients. Mm-hmm. I can now give this to people who probably wouldn't be able to go out and buy it themselves or, or, or would, whether they, they could probably afford it, but they would always say, why am I going to spend another 20 bucks a month on another app? I don't need it. I'll do it myself. Because everyone's cost averse. There's so many like, you know, everyone's being dripped to death on all these different apps. And right. They're overwhelmed with, by it. And so they don't want another cost, even though it, it might be a great value. Give them, maybe give them a tremendous return on time. They're just like another 20 bucks a month. I don't want it. Right. But if I can now give that to them already included into my pricing, they're like, oh, it's a no-brainer, and then that just ups the ante for the value that I'm delivering to my customers. Yeah, and we've always we've always looked at the a tool like that um, when we built it into our pricing model, so that we made sure we were able to cover it in our pricing model. But also, um, we we needed to standardize a way in which we could get documentation from our customers in a, in a faster way and and show them that hey, if you work with us, we've provided you an easy tool to 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 get us documentation and resource documents in a faster way. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't need to know anything about it except that you open it up and take a picture of your bills or receipts and that's it. It's, it's, yeah. it's that simple. And, and so it seems like there's, you know, there's definitely been, you know, half a dozen players or, you know, up to a dozen players in this space, but I definitely still think that uh, receipt bake is one of the, the leading contenders in the space and provides a lot of value in the way they're they've reached out and really, done the work of getting to know the accounting uh, professionals and, and building a, a business model and a partnership case that makes sense um, for, for um, that makes sense for accounting professionals. So I, I think, I think that makes, I think it, it, it's really cool and it seems um, to be, to be working well. So, well, that's great, Andrew. Um, this has been a great, you know, a great night. I don't want to eat in too much more of your family vacation time <laughs> and, uh, 
And um, so, and it was great to have Bob on as well. But I think this conversation about partnerships would probably get going forever. There's so many different types we can talk about. Um, but with that said, do you have any final words for us, Andrew? I need a refill. You need a refill. All right. <laughs> That's it. Everyone get a refill. We'll see you next week. Okay. See you next week. Thanks, Mike. Thanks.